Thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. Appreciate the amazing introduction. Thank God it was the Bible that you read. And uh, we just love just the friendship and partnership that we do have with you. Nicole and I were kind of reminiscing in our prayer this morning for you guys and just thanking God for the friendship and partnership that we have. We're delighted we don't do this alone and we are connected globally. We're connected here in our city and in our region and in this nation. And it's Jesus Christ that brings us together. It's the purposes and the plans of God. He gets us to work with all sorts of people. We look different. We might even act different. And that's a good thing. We celebrate diversity. God is a God who has created diversity, but we celebrate also His King, the, uh, the King Jesus and His kingdom, which is what brings us all together. So thank you for the opportunity. We do not take it lightly. These are moments that we treasure more than ever. I think having been shut down for a while, it's kind of helped us all realize the privilege of gathering, and we've got to enjoy these times together. They, nothing's sure anymore. There's so many things we don't know, but we celebrate. And we also want to make certain that in these times, we are fulfilling what it is God has for us. Not just another gathering, not just another meeting. God is establishing His rule and reign more and more. And he's calling his people to partner with him in the bigness of what he has for us. And so I do hope you are open to hear some more of that and to be challenged. And I, I love that Mark read Ephesians chapter 4. These gifts were given by Christ to the church for the church. The church doesn't exist for these gifts. These gifts exist to equip the church to mature her and bring her to the place God intended so Jesus Christ can come back. And, I, and there is a clause to that, meaning you're going to get challenged this morning, not just encouraged, but challenged in order for us to all grow up and become everything God's called us to be. So I'm not a guest speaker. If I was, it would be based on my speaking, whether I'll ever be a guest here again. The good news is, it's based on the gifting and the calling of what Jesus intended for these gifts to do. And, uh, and so please be challenged and amen what the Word of God says. I don't bring my word. My word is irrelevant. It's the word of God. And if it's in the Bible, well, friends, we have two choices. Reject what God says or obey what he says in order to be the people God's called us to be. So thank you, Mark and Kara and the elders and the leaders and the pastoral staff, just for your friendship and partnership and for inviting Nicole and I to be with you this morning. If you've got a, a Bible, go with me, please, to the book of Psalms, Psalms 32. We're going to read a couple of scriptures there and then as an introduction I would like to then move across to Luke chapter 5, where we're going to speak. I want to talk out of this text. I'm so aware this is a text you know very well. I'm sure you've read it. I've probably preached on it. I've probably preached in it, on it in this church. Uh, but in saying that, I do believe it's something that God has intended again and wanting to remind us about. You know, these days we've been living in, they've been crazy days, but they've been days where God reveals the destiny of the church again. I think destiny is way more revealed in times of crisis and confrontation than it is in seasons of convenience and comfort. When we have convenience and we've got comfort, we're kind of all running with things and feel like, yeah, God's in it and there's momentum. And, and we don't always know if God's in it. We just think He is because it seems to be happening the way we want it. But when crisis and convenience hits, 
It's not easy, but what it does do, I believe, is it reveals more of the destiny of God. And I do believe, friends, I know it's hard to say this right now, but the church today is stronger than it's ever been because of what we've just gone through. We might not carry the amount of people we had before, or the resources, or maybe the momentum, as I said, but we do are forced, in a sense, in this season to come back to what really matters. And while that is a difficult thing, it's a great thing. It's the grace of God. It's the goodness of God. That on this side of eternity, God reveals things to us that are not from Him or not about Him or or not His kingdom. And and we have this side of eternity to adjust it, to, to change it, to fix it, rather than just hope God's in it and one day get to heaven and find out we've wasted all our lives and a whole lot of stuff for thinking God's in it. I don't know about you, but I, I want to know God's in it. I, I don't want to hope He's in it. I don't want to presume He's in it. I want to know He's in it. I know what I'm doing is what He called me to do. And what we're doing as the church is exactly what He called us to do. And so in this season, He's revealed the destiny and the future again, I believe, of the church. Can I, can I just remind you again that we cannot be nostalgic for an era we no longer live in. We need to now live in the now and partner with God in what He's doing now and not long for what was and long to get back to what was because straight up, there's no going back. There's now and the future for what God has for us. And whatever that season was like, and for many it was a great season, and for many it wasn't a good season, but whatever it was, it's a season that's come to an end. So don't be nostalgic for something that no longer exists. Let's walk in the purposes and plans of God for now and embrace what He's doing today and embrace the future that He still has for all of us. We need to live in the now, and we need to partner with God's purpose and plans for this season. Can I say that ignorance is not bliss when it comes to being the people of God? We can't be ignorant in this season. We need to know exactly what He's doing. We need to see what it is He's doing. Be less concerned about what we're doing and more concerned about what He's about. Can I also just say that the moment that we have been in has not paused the mission that we've been on. God never stopped what He was doing through this pandemic. But I want to say maybe, perhaps, He paused what we were doing in order to remind us again of what He is doing. And also to remind us that apart from Him, we can do nothing. We all quote John 15. We all talk a where Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And apart from me, you can do nothing. And we all quote that, but perhaps we were doing things apart from him and thinking we were doing something. And he reminded us, apart from me, you can do nothing. And friends, that's a good lesson. And it's a good truth. And from this season going forward, let's not do our thing and trust that God's in it. Let's do it with him combine our hearts with Him, our faith in Him, and walk with Him in this time and season. Can can I say this? I think COVID has exposed many things in our great nation. Many bad things and some good things. But a lot of things have been exposed. But, But let's just talk to the church for a moment. We, the church in this great nation, we got exposed to. 
And I want to think, I think the biggest exposing we've seen through COVID in the church is that our foundation has been about something other than Jesus Christ. We've made ministry about people. We've made mission about people. We've made it all around gifts and ministries and, and personalities and, and all these things claiming to be about Jesus, only to find that when everything gets shaken, what fell was that our revelation of Christ, our foundation was not Jesus Christ. It was a whole lot of other stuff. And you don't have to amen this. I'm asking you to honestly trust God, speak to your heart this morning and mine. He's exposed that the foundation of the church in our great land, in our nation, has been about the wrong thing. And anything that's not founded in Christ will be shaken, will fall. And that's what Hebrews 12 tells us. And I believe coming out of this season, and it seems like we are, but God forbid we all bounce back to what was, and we try and put all the makeup back on and pretend and get on with our own thing, this season has exposed things, but coming out of this season, I believe, is coming out a love-sick bride who's reconnected with her bridegroom, her lover, her master, and who will do way more for him out of love than we will do out of duty and religion. We don't do because we have to. We do because we love. And out of the season, we're coming out. And God forbid we bounce back. Let's stay in that place. Let's look to our King. Let's make sure Jesus Christ is the foundation of our lives and everything will ever be. Amen? Psalm 32 verse 8. And I asked them to put it up. And this is the, the, the Passion Translation. I know it's not the best one, but it, it, just, it really reveals something and I just want to challenge us. I was reading this this morning. I thought I have to put it up here. So let's, let's read it together. Psalm 32 verse 8. The Passion Translation says this. I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn when I take you where you have not been before. Don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. Don't make me force or tug or pull. Just trust me and come along with me. Just trust me. You're not called to go alone. You're not called to find your way. You're called to trust me, trust and obey. Listen for what I'm saying. Let me show you and just do what I say because I'm watching over your life, your ministry, your church, your future with my eye. Friends, if I had a choice on this planet to have someone looking over what I'm involved in and trusting someone's eye, let me tell you, let it be his eyes because they guarantee to be a success. They might not be according to my plans. They certainly are not going to be the things I've desired, but it's going to be a guaranteed success if I just trust him. Let's not fight him in the season. Let's not bounce back. Let's not tell him what we want. Let's get back to what he wants. So I believe honestly, there are no tricks to this kingdom. 
There's no formulas. There's no structures. There's no things we need to know except this. We just need to get back to being a people who simply say yes to what Jesus has called us to. I wish I could come with something that would wow you this morning. But I want to tell you, this is the profound truth that I believe the Lord has got us back to as the church. And as we go forward, let us not become what we were. Let's be who He's called us to be by simply yes to the King as He reveals more and more of His future for us with His eyes looking on us and where we're called to go. I've said this many times, and I know in this pulpit too, Success in the kingdom of God is a succession of yeses to the king. You know, when we got saved, when I got saved, let me tell you, I came radically to Christ and I confessed all my sin and I had some pretty bad sin I was involved in. But I said, yes, Lord, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. And, and, I'll turn, and I turned my back on friends and people because they were not interested in what I was and I went full on for Jesus. And I was radical. But let me say this. Are we still there today? Yes, that was my first step. But friends, the more we walk with Jesus, the more we should be saying yes to Him. But if I can just be straight up this morning, it seems like we want Him to say yes to us all the time. We tell Him what we want, and that's cool. But let me just tell you, last time I looked, He tells us what we want, and we say yes to Him, not Him saying yes to everything we want. I've heard preachers, and listen, I'm a preacher, so I've got nothing against preachers, but I've heard preachers just say, do your thing, ask God to bless your thing. Friends, nowhere in Scripture can you see that. We've got to actually ask God, what does He want? I don't want to ask God for permission. I want to ask God for direction. I don't want just maybe He's in it. I want to know He's in it. So don't just ask for permission. Live your life and ask God for permission. No, no, ask your Father for direction. Where have we stopped saying yes? Or have we stopped saying yes? Because success in the kingdom is not a one-off saying yes. It's this constant, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Big things, yes, Lord. Little things, yes, Lord. Go, yes, Lord. Stay, yes, Lord. Whatever you say, that's what we want to do. See, heaven celebrates obedience way more than it does performance. The question I want to ask is, do we see obedience as an opportunity or do we see it as an obligation? If it's an opportunity, I believe then honestly, our hearts are right before God. If it's an obligation, well then something's gone wrong and we need to adjust accordingly. John 14, Jesus says in John chapter 14 verse 15, He says, If you love me, Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one my heart adores. We just sang that. I just said, thinking, is it true? Yes, my heart adores you. But he says, you love me, not by adoring me, but by doing what I say. Hello? If you love me, Jesus says, you will obey me. Notice, it's not if you love me, you will have to keep my commands. No, it's, it's cause and effect. If you love me, the result is that you will keep my commands. Then he goes on in verse 21 of, of, of John 14. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me. 
He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him. And I love this. Listen to what he says. And show or reveal or manifest myself to him. You see, all of us want more of his presence. All of us, I, I don't know about you, but I long for the manifest presence, for Jesus to reveal himself daily and more and more to me. I believe that's what the church needs in our great nation, is the revealing of Christ. Because when we see Christ, we see us. When we see us in the view of Christ, everything changes. We can't be about our thing when we see Christ. And so the longing of my heart, and I'm sure, and I hope yours, is reveal more of Jesus. Jesus said, if you obey me, I'll reveal and manifest myself more to you. It's not that we earn it, but there are some consequences. So we can't just show up to church and hope we're going to... We should be obeying Him, and He reveals more and more. That's what He promises. I will show myself. I'll reveal myself. I'll manifest myself to Him. I will make myself real to Him. You want Jesus to be real to you? Obey Him. You want Him not to be someone my pastor talks about, or my parents, or my spouse, or the church, or a ministry? You want Him to be real to you? Honestly, friends, obey Him and watch Him reveal Himself. That's what He tells us. See, I believe obedience is the outward expression of our love for Jesus. If you have an obedience problem, well, then you have a love problem. If you love Him, you'll obey Him. It's that simple. And if you think about it, that is actually the heart of the Great Commission. Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority in earth and heaven has been given to me. Now go and make disciples of all nations. And then He talks about and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and teaching them to obey me. Listen, I, I, I've all my life growing up, my dad is a missionary, he's all about church planning and the Great Commission, that's all I've ever heard. But at times I used to think that means as teaching people to obey means I need to take my Bible and beat people over the head with obedience. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's actually saying, if you love me, you'll obey me. So when he's the, the heart of the Great Commission is teaching them to obey me, to love me. And I hope this morning it's not just a feeling, but there's an, a shift from obligation to opportunity because of love. Otherwise, seriously, friends, when we stop hearing about obedience, we're going to go back to disobedience. And I believe the season right now, we have this moment. I don't want to overplay it, but we have a moment in history. Can I say rewriting the history of the church in North America? Wow. This nation has impacted the nations from this nation with missionaries and with the church. And whatever people say out there, what happens in America impacts the world, regardless of what people think. What a time for you and I to rewrite the church's history in America. I wouldn't have chosen me or you for that, but he has. But what are we going to do? Mess it up by getting back to what we like or by obeying him and doing simply what it is he's called us to do? Friends, I don't believe that's an overstatement. This is a season, a reset maybe we'll never have again. And I know there's a lot of weird stuff talked about reset, and I get there is weird. But there's a church reset, a kingdom reset, a heart reset for you and I right now. And things are opening again, and we're getting back to some normality. But God forbid we get back to what was. Right now, we have a moment to say, obedience matters more than anything. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 25. We're not going to read it. I'll just give it to you. Jesus said the difference between wise builder and foolish builder is one thing. He says, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice 
is like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. And not if, but when the storms come, the house stands strong. But he goes on and he says, but anyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house upon the sand. And when the storms come, the house crashes. There's been crashing that's happened over these last 18 months. Why is that, friends? Because we've built our houses and our ministries and our lives on the sand rather than on the rock. And the difference between the rock and the sand is simple obedience, nothing else. Hearing and doing what He told us to do. I'm passionate. I'm not angry, right? You know that. I'm not an angry man. But I, I do think there's a shake, and it's not how loud is this. What's God saying to our hearts this morning? Obedience. You know, there is a price to obedience. But there's a greater price to disobedience. We've got to choose. Obey or disobey. Go with me to this, this text, Luke chapter 5. And this is kind of what I want to touch this morning. Luke chapter 5. Are you with me? You good? We're still friends? Luke chapter 5. Uh, thank you, sir. And I, I'm going to be preaching just out of the NRV for this one, but whatever you've got there. But this is the miraculous catch. And, and listen, guys, I mean, I'm well aware you know this story. So do I. And by the way, you've probably heard this preached a million times in different ways. I've done that myself, preached it and heard it. But I'm asking you, and I pray, my prayer this morning is, Lord, give us fresh ears to hear what you're saying and adjust. And again, not be hearers of the word, doers. And we can look around and say, oh, I'm so glad that person's here because they're listening. And the other people that are not here, I hope they're listening online. You're here because God wants you to hear this this morning before you worry about anyone else. And He's not asking, do we know this? The challenge is, are we living in what He's called us to? That's the challenge. Not being hearers, but doers. Being wise builders. Building on the rock, rather than foolish, hearing and doing nothing with what we hear. Quoting it and telling people without living it, it's not enough. And so Luke chapter 5 verse 1, it's this miraculous catch that we love to talk about. It says in verse 1, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, now, Jesus was speaking, preaching the word. He wanted a boat, and he saw a boat. He says to Simon, I want your boat. Simon said, sure, here's your boat, my boat. He gets in the boat, and Simon obeys him by pushing him out. Do you see that was a yes, Lord, yes, Lord? But he needed a succession of yeses, not just a one-off yes. Maybe some of us have said, look, yes, Lord, you want my boat, you can have it. You want my stuff, you can have it. And, but, but somewhere we've started stop saying yes. We're hearing and we're not saying yes. It's the succession of yeses. The miracle we're about to read of would not have happened, I believe, if Peter or Simon just said no or decided, I'm not going to say yes anymore. I've given you enough. I gave you my boat. I pushed you out. That's enough. It's up to you now. He said, no, no, I want you to do some stuff too. And I don't know what that is for you, but I know that as some of us, if not, if we're honest, all of us 
are in a place possibly after what we've just gone through where it's a lot easier to say, no, Lord, I've done it all, I gave it all, and this is, the, this is what's come of it. We, we're looking for earning rather than partnering with Him. We've got to shift and say, we are not here for you to hook us up. We're here for us to operate and work with you and to see your kingdom advance and ultimately hurry up Jesus and come back. Is that okay? And so we could say, well, I've gave the boat. I've given him everything. I kind of pushed it out. I gave him a good start for his ministry. But that's it. Well, what about the next thing? And the next thing? And the next thing? And the next thing? And here's the good news. It's never going to stop till Jesus comes back. And I've watched. I've seen. I've experienced where people just end up saying no. And the moment you stop saying yes is the moment you stop being successful in the kingdom. You might have convenience and comfort, but you'll never walk in the things God has. And so, verse 4, let me read it again. He says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water, let down the nets for a catch. I love Simon's response. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in other boats to come and help them. Don't you love this? Other people are now blessed because of his obedience and him doing what Jesus told them to do. Others now are impacted. You see that? It's not even just about us. It's God wanting us to be obedient to Christ. And as we obey, others are blessed in it, friends. So even if it's not for you, can I dare and challenge you? It's for others we've got to obey. They got so much, so many fish that both boats full, they began to sink. Now there's another crisis, but anyway, we won't go there. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished. Don't you love that? Astonished. You want some astonishing? How about we just obey and trust and do? And watch what he says. At the catch of fish they had taken and So were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything to follow him. What a story. But I I, I honestly believe there's no tricks to this. The, The reality is simply this. But because you say. That is the message today. But because you say so. Let me ask you this. Who or what is on the other side of our obedience? Who or what is waiting on the other side of obedience? The miracle, uh, maybe people group, a, a, a person. I don't, what, who is standing on the other side of our obedience? 
You know, this is not just even a let's relocate and move. This is a simple in a meeting on a place. I, I preached this recently in Texas, in Austin, Texas, and I, I got this letter from this lady who was in that meeting. And after the meeting, she came to me after I preached and said, just obey, do what he tells us to do. Sorry, this is the message I, I believe goes on. And that's why I'm preaching where I can get to preach. And, and she came to me and she said, will you pray for me? I said, what for? She said, for boldness. I, I just want to obey. I'm sick of weighing it all up. I just want to obey. I don't know what I prayed for, so I prayed for us. And I said, Lord bless her and give her what she needs and rushed off to the airport to fly home. She sent me a letter. She said that she went uh, to, uh, back to work and she's a teacher of a school uh, at a school and one of her, she'd been wanting to speak to one of her friends about Jesus but she couldn't or whatever but she just went there and God opened the door and she prayed for this lady who had cancer who freaked her out but she got healed of cancer. I mean just this break and then out of that another person got saved and she just gave me this testimony of about four or five breakthroughs that came from her simply saying yes. This was not, I was thinking nations and relocating to Africa to plant church. I wasn't thinking these little things, but God's in the little and everything. And we don't know, dear my dear friends, who's on the other side of our not trying stuff, obeying Him. People are waiting. There's ramifications. There's opportunities. There's blessing. There's miracles. There's breakthrough. But it requires us simply to say yes. So a few thoughts out of this text. Number one, we need revelation. Master. Master. We have fished all night, but we've caught nothing. I I love the response of Simon. Don't you? He didn't play this holy game. He simply responded by saying, Master, we have fished all night, and we haven't caught anything. Have you, have you had those moments where you've done everything right and it didn't work? But they're still washing. Now, we've got to see the context because often we read Scripture and we kind of get those, those, those like Christian eyes and glasses and lenses. And we think everything was rosy. I listen to people today say, if only I lived in Bible times. If only we lived in, in the early church. We wouldn't have to have these issues with our government right now. Really, have you even read the New Testament? If only we had the approval they have. Really. They were put in prison for speaking about Jesus. We think this is new what's happening. People getting locked up. These guys walked through it. They were beheaded. They were killed. They were destroyed. They were in prison. What for doing? Simply the will of God. Speaking about the one we get to talk about any time. I mean, we talk about Noah. I mean, can I just for a moment get in trouble? Noah. Heard of him? We talk about Noah as this incredible story and Noah's Ark. And we all, I, mean, I grew up as a, in a Christian house and we had at our nursery, in my nursery, like a Noah's Ark and you've got this giraffe's head popping out and everybody's wild. Everybody, and we see the rainbow over there and the promise of God. And, but we're missing the story. That's not the story. So everybody knows that God is good and there's animals and Noah put all these animals on this ark and they floated around and then God forgave them. And, but actually, this true story is God was over and sick of all the, the sin on the earth and He was going to judge them and He was going to wipe out mankind. Most people don't want to hear that. Don't tell me that stuff. I just want the little ark with the head and the giraffe head and the giraffe here. And then, that's most people's understanding. If only we were living in those days. Not a God wiped out. He drowned all of creation. Most people don't even know that because we like the Christian lenses rather than the true lenses. Are you with me? 
I guess God did do all those other things, but there was a reason He wiped out the, the whole world because of this sin. We just got to not put these rosy lenses and say, if only I was Simon, if only I was fishing, I would have done the same, would you? See, Simon was a fisherman. Let me just remind you. And you, you might like fishing if you do, and that's the most boring thing I've ever done. So I don't. But none of, I don't think any of you fish for a job. If you don't catch fish, you may be mad, but it's your recreation. He, they don't catch fish, they don't get eat. They don't get paid. He worked all night and he caught nothing, but he was washing his, his, uh, uh, their nets as if they had caught, even they caught nothing. So they worked all night, they're washing their nets to get them ready for the next night. Jesus comes along. Says, give me your boat. Okay, there's my boat. Push me out. I'll push you out. Jesus does his thing, he's preaching, and then Jesus says to a fisherman, now, now forgive me, friends, but Jesus was not a fisherman. At best, he was a son of a carpenter. If Jesus arrived there and said, Okay, Simon, here's the deal. I'll teach you how to make a table that you can put the fish on once you catch them, it would make more sense because that was Jesus' upbringing. Jesus was no fisherman, but He tells these guys after they fished all night and caught nothing, cleaned their nets, He now tells them in the daytime, and if anyone knows anything about fishing, they don't fish in the day because the fish see the nets in the day. That's why they fish at night. It's daytime and Jesus tells Simon who fished all night to now throw out his net. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? We might at times say, look, Jesus, you do your thing, we'll do ours. But you don't really know our thing because kind of where are you? And I'm just telling you, we need the revelation he did. Master, this makes no sense. We've done this already and it didn't work, but it's daytime. We've just cleaned our nets. But because you say so. You there? Because you. Not because the church says so. Not because I say so. Not because Mark says so. Not because the podcast says so. Not because your government says so. I I get in trouble, I know. Not because anyone else but Jesus. That's our problem, church. Is we're doing what everyone thinks we should do or telling us rather than what he's doing. Or we're doing what we think we should do rather than what he told us to. But because... You say so. Who? Master. Friends, I'll tell you what, if we don't see Him as Master, we're not going to obey Him. If we see Him as this wonderful Savior who's been added onto our lives, because we told that, hey, Jesus loves you, died for you, He's got a plan for your life, and if you want to be a part of His plan, you could be a co-pilot, and you could share this thing together, and whatever He wants, you want, and He'll hook you up whenever you need anything, just get on with it. And, and we present Jesus like that, and people say, yeah, cool, I'll take Jesus, and we add Him to our life. If he's added to your life, he'll never be master in your life. You'll never listen to him. He'll always be, you think he's listening to you. Are you there? But because Simon as a fisherman didn't see Jesus as a fisherman or a son of a carpenter, he saw him as a master. He said, master, we have fished all night. We've caught nothing. But because you, master, who've told me to do this, I'm going to do it. See, our, our revelation of Jesus determines everything we do here on earth. 
Let me, let me meddle a little with you this morning. We do do our thing and think God's in it. We've got to stop. I'm going to do this, Lord, unless you tell me no. No, no. I want to do what you've told me to do. I don't need a no from you. I need direction from you. Friends, it's, it, you might say, Tyron, it's, it's too simplistic. We need simplicity again. Otherwise, we're going to get ourselves in trouble again. I just want to do my revelation, our Christology, our revelation of Jesus determines our mission here on earth and our mission determines the church. The, the, the way we see Jesus determines everything about us. And somehow, fortunately, he saw Jesus the right way. So let me ask you, is he your master? This preach is irrelevant if he's not master. If he's added onto my world rather than is my world. If he is truly the head, the Bible says that in all things he'll have, Colossians chapter 1, that God made that in all things he will be preeminent, have supremacy. He'll be first in all things. The fact is, if he has first place in everything in my life, then here's the thing, friend. I'm doing what he told me to do. I'm obeying. I'm seeking the governance of Christ. I'm seeking the guidance of Christ. And I'm seeking the glory of Christ. Secondly, relationship. Firstly, revelation. That matters most. But it's very hard to serve Jesus as master alone. Even the, the parables talk about that in the kingdom parable, Matthew 25, and talks about the master's leaving and he calls his servants together and he gives one five talents, one two, and one one talent. You know the story, right? The one with five went and multiplied and the one with two also multiplied, but the one with one dug a hole and hid the talent. And when the master returned, the one with five said, Master, I've been faithful. He said, Good, bless, you've been faithful. I'm going to trust you with more. And he took from that. But the one with the one talent, interesting, he said, I knew you were a hard man and I was fearful of you. So I hid my talent. And the master looked at him and said, You wicked and lazy servant. I trusted you to multiply what I gave you, not to give back what I gave you. Well, what was the difference? Maybe, I think, the one with the one talent feared the master so much. You can't be a multiplier and fruitful if it's just fearful. There's the fear, the holy fear that needs to come back to our lives of master. But if you're serving Jesus as master alone, friends, I don't believe we're going to be able to walk in the things God has because he's master first. So revelation, but second relationship, he wants to be our friend. Are you with me? Now the will of God to some of us is this random road map. We pick scriptures that suit our lifestyle. And we back it. No, no. The will of God is not a random roadmap. The will of God is a relationship. When you walk with Him, He reveals to you the next steps in the journey. It's not all laid out for us. It's the revelation. As I walk with Him, He reveals. As Simon walked with Him, He said, throw your net out now. He didn't give Him this 10 years before. He did it in the moment. But He was walking with Jesus. See, God doesn't only communicate with us. He communes with us. Adam, go read the beginning of Scripture. Adam, in the book of Genesis, he, he, he was made to know Christ or God and to walk with his Creator. Abraham was, was known as a friend of God. Moses, on the, on the mountain, when the Lord gave him this great call, he said, I'm not going without you. I, I, I'm not going to do this if you don't go with me. Why? Because I need you and... 
I want to be with you. It's your presence that matters more to me than anything else. So I'll go, but you've got to go with me. Otherwise, we're not doing this. It's David. King David, the, the one who wrote a lot of the Psalms using language. I'm, a, I'm in a dry and thirsty land. But my, my soul thirsts not for water. My soul thirsts for you. If I can have anything, I, I just want one thing. I've got to have you. And I want to dwell in your house. And I want to be with you. That's the longing in the heart of David. It's Paul, the apostle, saying, for to, to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I, I, I don't care what happens, whether I die or live, as long as I have more of you. Not just give me your plan and give me your will. I want you. I want, I want relationship. Jesus, the gospel, saying, Depart from me. I never knew you. You did all this stuff in my name, but get, go away from me. Why? I didn't know you. We can do stuff for him without knowing him. Isn't that incredible? Depart from me. I never knew you. See, I, I believe we're to know him well, to know him deeply. We, we're to know him truly. And there's a legitimate sense in every believer that has come to know God. And Je Je Jesus prays in John 17, and, and in verse 3, he says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. If you have eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ, well, then you have come to know God. But let me say this, there's another, another sense in which we need to know Him far deeply, than, more deeply than that. After 30 years as a believer, Paul, Philippians 3 said, Not that I've already obtained this, but I press on to that goal. It's this longing inside. It's the, this pursuit, my friends, please hear this. It's way more than information. It's way more than study. It's our spirit abiding with His spirit on this ongoing basis. It must be our highest aim to come to know Him. We will discover, I believe, a growing process of intimacy. A closeness that will compel us to want to know Him even more. I believe knowing Him means entering into a relationship with Him. So He is the dominant influencer of our thoughts and our actions. And so it's this revelation, Master. We've done this before. We've fished, but because you say so, my Master. Secondly, this relationship I have with you. You know, I've said this. Mark heard me, I think, at one of our pastor's meetings where I was really challenged by last year and, you know, like everyone else, why, where were the prophets? Why didn't they tell us about, the, about COVID and how did they get the election so wrong? You know, all blame prophets for everything. Where were the prophets? And I want to say, no, no, where were we? I believe prophets have a role to play, but we are followers of Jesus. We should know what's going on. We put too much emphasis on their role. Our role is to be followers of Jesus. And Jesus said in John 15, he, he talks about, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Apart from me, he can do nothing. Then he moves on to this conversation where he looks at his disciples and he says this, I no longer call you servants. I now call you friend. Pause for a moment. Jesus didn't say, you call me friend. He said, I call you friend. 
And then he goes on and he says, the reason why I call you friend is because a servant does not know the master's business. But I have revealed to you everything of my master's plan. What, what was Jesus saying? You're not servants who have to find out through others what my father's doing. You're my friend and I've entrusted to you what God, my father's doing. Are you listening? Which means, with all due respect, and I've got a team of, that, lead, that I lead that have prophets on our team. But I'm saying stop looking to prophets and look back to Jesus because He was talking to all of us. We're friends. Stop Googling your future and go back to the heart that has access and the keys to life and everything else is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. He's not holding out from us. He's not hiding from us. We need a posture shift that we're not just servants of Christ. We're friends as well. And yes, we're here to serve, but I believe the season, the posture of He's my friend. He's entrusted me with the secrets of heaven. Friends, we need that. And it comes not from a download from heaven. It comes from a relationship. Thirdly, got to land. Firstly, revelation. Master, because you say so. Second, relationship. It's ongoing. It's not a one-off. It's not, now we come through COVID, so my relationship really is okay now. No, no, we work at that most. You know, <laughs> I, I, don't, I haven't met one person pre-COVID who's, who, who, who is busy with the things of God who just said to me, you know, Tyrone, if only I had more time, I would spend it with Jesus. And then you know what happened? We had time. The whole world shut down. And what we found when I talked to those people after COVID is how many of you spend more time with Jesus? And very few did. Why? Because they got busy with the lockdown stuff and watching whatever and TV and whatever. And we, here's the thing. It's not time. It's priority. You can say, if only I had more time. God gave the whole world more time. And I want to tell you, most people did not revert to more time with Him. They got busy with other stuff. So now we're getting busy again. Here's the good news. Get busy with the right thing. Build your relationship with Jesus because it is so needed when it comes to living the plans of God. Thirdly, requests. I've got to land. Requests. I still believe the two greatest challenges the church faces today is number one, our inability to hear God. And number two, our unwillingness to do what He says. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The Word of God. We've got to know the voice of God. Friends. John 10, Jesus said, The sheep know my voice. We know many people's voice. We know preachers and our favorite preachers' voices. and that. But do we know the voice of the shepherd? That's the voice that needs to thunder loudly or be the gentle whisper. But we're so busy, if we're honest, listening to so many rather than the one that matters most. If I can be bold enough this morning to say, Shut the voices out and come back to the great shepherd because he knows best. And he's not holding out. He wants us to know. So it's our ability, our inability to hear his voice. And can I just say, you, you can't expect to hear direction from God if you haven't cultivated connection with God. 
But our second thing is our unwillingness to do what he says. We have selective hearing. I think we are guilty of that. We choose what we want to hear or we take what we've heard and line it up with our plans rather than what he actually said. And I've just got to tell you, the greater our revelation of him, the greater our relationship with him. Can I say the greater his requests of us? The more I submit to him, the more I walk with him, the more he asks of me. Not because he's testing me, because he can trust me. So don't be surprised when he's asking things of you or he's requiring things of you that haven't fitted into your plan. Because it's his plan last time I looked. We submitted to him and we're walking with him. Okay? Can, can I also just say there are, three, there are five voices. <laughs> I'd have to throw this in. And there's not really that many voices. But five voices in our decision making. Number one is God's voice. There's another, number two is our conscience. Number three is our reasoning. Number four is our flesh. And number five is the devil. So when we're making decisions, there's God, there's your conscience, there's your reasoning, there's your flesh, and then there's the devil. And all four, other than the God voice, are opposed to the God voice. Are you listening? I'm not saying kiss your brains goodbye, but I'm saying making sure you hear God rather than your flesh is telling you, or your conscience, or your reasoning. How we reason so many things at the expense of what God really said. And then the devil's there too. And he wants us to make the wrong calls. So don't be fearful. Just walk with Jesus and listen for the voice of the Father. Number four, our response. Obedience is an act of faith. Disobedience is the result of unbelief. You know, you know it's, um, Simon could have said, yes, Jesus, I hear you. Yes, I have a great relationship with you. Yes, I have your request. Master, I hear you. But if he did nothing with it, they would not have caught those fish. See, there's a response that is needed. When God speaks, when Jesus speaks, it's we've got to respond to what He says. And I think what hinders our response to Him is maybe fear. Number one is fear. And fear has gripped the church right now. And maybe we're not willing to step in or step out or, or we're running from rather than running to. I, I don't know, but fear is a big deal for us. Another thing that hinders our response is familiarity. We become comfortable or convenient in our circumstances and situations. I've watched even in lockdown and COVID. Isn't it amazing how people have got comfortable in COVID and this new norm has become so normal that we don't want to do anything else again. Some of you looking online, I love you dearly. Get back to church. I, mean, I, I, I don't know what else to say. I, I'm not trying to be in your face, but if you can go to Walmart, you can come to church. If you... If you can work, you can come to church. And I know that, I'm sorry, Mark. I, we've become so convenient, because it is convenient to sit home. Honestly, I mean, lying in my pajamas watching it. If I don't like the preacher, which most of you don't right now, you can just turn it off. Walk out. You walk out here, yeah, I'm going to call you back. Walk out there, I wouldn't know. I mean, I'm not trying to be weird. I'm just, we can get, so our, even our circumstances 18 months into COVID, have now we become comfortable in what, we've got to come back to what God's called us to. Familiarity hinders God's voice. Lack of faith. Number five, my last point, is there's a reward to obedience. There is a reward. First thing, obviously, is revelation. Master, because you say so. Second is this relationship we cultivate. And out of that, God keeps revealing the next steps. Thirdly, there's a request that He asks of us Fourthly, there's a response. We've got to step up and walk through. Fifthly, there's a reward. 
Again, I started by saying it's not just a reward for us. There are many other people that are impacted because of our simple obedience. You see, I don't believe obedience. I mean, I don't believe that success is the goal. I believe obedience is the goal. Obedience brings success. Someone said exact obedience brings miracles. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a God that you know. And there's many unknowns in this season. But I want to tell you this. If He says it, we trust and obey. If He says go, we go. If He says stay. If He says stay when we want to go, let me just tell you, it's as crazy as staying when He tells us to go. It's not what we want. It's what He's called us to. He knows best. I have to land. I wish I didn't. Anyway, come have me back another year or two. You know, this morning when I was in the shower, I was just thinking about... Sorry, I did shower. I have to say that. But I was just thinking about Abraham. And Abraham, this great father of our faith, a friend of God, the Bible says... You know, God called of Abraham, told him to go to a place he didn't know where he was going, but he went in faith. He stepped out, and as his revelation of God grew, God required more of him, and he got tested in many things, but he kept obeying. It wasn't perfect, but he obeyed in faith. Not knowing where he was going, he just kept say, saying yes. And then in Genesis 22, which is that, that story, uh, you want to come out, bro, and play? We're going to land. Is that okay, Mark? Um, just in the story... In Genesis 22, probably, the, if, if I can be honest, I think it's the most offensive story in the Bible for me. Where, Jesus, uh, where God tells uh, Adam, Adam, Abraham to put his son on the altar. And I was thinking about that this morning, that God, that wasn't the first request of God for, for Abraham. It was as he had walked with the Lord, the Lord began to ask of things, things of him. But it's amazing how he took his son early the next morning. He didn't want to pray and fast and get input from his wife or anyone else. He took his son in obedience early the next morning. He didn't pause it for a 40-day fast. Early the next morning, he got up and he took his son and he got everything ready and they began to walk. Listen, to the place God told them about, not to pick a mountain, the exact place. And when he got to that exact place, he told his, his servants, wait here, me and my boy are going up to worship God. And me and my boy will come down. And so he's walking with his son. I often think about that, how I tell my son this. And he's walking with his son Isaac. And Isaac's carrying everything. The fire. They got the, the branches and the, the tree and the shrub. And they're walking up to the, And suddenly Isaac says, Dad, we've got everything but the main ingredient. We're missing the ram. Where's the ram? Thank God that Abraham didn't say, You're it. But look at his response. On the mountain, the Lord will provide for us. God will make a plan. And so he gets on the mountain and he, and he sets it all up. And I believe then Isaac knew, hey, it's me. There's no one else here. It's me. It's incredible how Isaac allows his dad to put him on the altar. And how Abraham 
was willing to kill his son because God said. And then the Lord interjects and says, stop, now I know. And you know what he does? He says, look. And he looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught it. And he said, there's your ram, there's your thing. But now they come down the mountain together. What did Abraham show his son Isaac? He gave him the greatest gift he could ever give his son. He showed him obedience to God matters more than anything. And I believe what happened was obviously for Abraham, the Lord didn't need him to do this, but it was more for Isaac to see the obedience of his father. And knowing that his father was the, that God was the provider, not his father. Does it make sense? The greatest gift we can give to families, to churches, to people, and that is obedience, not outcome. It's obedience. Husbands, you've been taught the greatest gift you can give to your children is to love your wife. True, but not true. That matters. But what matters more is obedience to Him. Is the greatest gift I can give to my family. I grew up in a house where my dad just heard God and we did it. We moved. I've had five international moves and I moved from Africa, like real Africa, right? I was born in Rhodesia, Zimbabwe, which is like fifth world. My dad was there because God told him to go there. I was born there. We moved. We moved. It's not about the moving. It's about the obedience. God says, stay. We stayed. Well, I can tell you this. My dad was not a perfect father, but what he taught me and my two brothers is God is trustworthy. The greatest gift is just obey Him, even if it doesn't make sense. And I want to tell you, my pops put aside his agenda and he served the purposes of God. And by the grace of God, we're walking in that now because of simple obedience. Go and stay according to what He tells us to do. Let's just bow our heads for a moment, please. I'm not overstating the season we're in. I do believe it's a rewriting of the church's history in North America. The Bible says that God's determined the place and the times where we should live. And let it be Him determining it and not us. But in saying that, He did that for a purpose. That men would seek Him, reach out and find Him, though we're not, He's not far from each of us. Acts 17 tells us. We are here now by the mighty hand of God putting us here for such a time as this. We don't want to just be here. We want to be doing what He called us to do. If I can be bold enough to you this morning, stop doing what He hasn't called you to do. Please, for the love of God, stop. But that which He's called you to, my dear friend, please, for the love of God, give your life and all that you have and trust Him and obey Him and He will provide and make a the way, a way, if we simply trust and obey. I do feel, even for this church going forward, to not to become something people want you to be. Not to embrace everything or even everyone. Have a heart for all people. But be true to the community 
city, the region, the nations of what God's called Impact Rock Church to be. Protect the calling of this people. Obey the calling of this people, of what God has called you. And people will come and people will go. Some will be good leavers, some will be bad leavers, but the call of God has not, will not, and even through COVID hasn't changed. It's come back to the original intention of God. Isn't it amazing that He didn't tell him to go and throw the net somewhere else. He said, throw it on the other side. Same thing, but this time God's in it. We all want the next and the new, but sometimes the next and the new is taking us back to the original what He has called us to be. So Father, I I just, even in this moment, right here, we all come to that place. Our future is not determined by man. We believe it's determined by You. But how we respond in the now, in the present, in a sense, determines what that future will be. I pray for the individuals in this room, but also for the corporateness of this church. That we will simply trust and obey. That we'll silence voices, good voices, but those that are not your voice. That we'll come back to the simplicity of Master, because you say so. We will build our relationship with you. We will deepen that even as things get busy again. Our priority is our connection with you. Out of that, would you reveal and ask, and we ask you to trust us, to be faithful. If you say stay, we'll stay. Go, we'll go. Speak, we'll speak. Do, we'll do. We're going to see nations and cities and even this place blessed and reaping the benefit because of our simple obedience. Trust us. We trust you. We trust this unknown future to this God that we get to know well. Would you help me and help us to keep saying yes to Jesus? This season requires radical obedience radical trust even if we don't understand or it doesn't fit our plan you are in control of it all so would you bless this wonderful congregation this morning bless the individuals who are facing things that I know nothing of but you know everything those who are struggling through those who are doing well those who have big decisions those who have simple decisions whatever it be Would you just meet us right here, right now? Would you seal what needs to be sealed and would you, that which is not you, make it so clear. Close doors that are not you, but swing wide the doors that are your doors. And that we would be bold enough to walk through those doors without any doubt that you are the great door closer and door open. We trust you, Jesus. We ask that you trust us. 
May we be found trustworthy by simply keep saying yes. Bless these wonderful people, I pray. In Jesus' name.